day that's going to be when, if you can imagine it in your mind, with a thousand generations, we're going to sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And if it's good here, and I hope you felt like it is good today, if it's been good here, then just imagine that day in heaven, not only because everything will be perfect, but because we'll be in the presence of the risen Christ forever. I mean, we'll see things clearly that we've never seen before. Those details and nuances of salvation that elude us uh, will, will be crystal clear before our eyes. And we'll be singing with a thousand, with all the saints of all the ages. Uh, we'll be worshiping God together. I praise God for that. We've got a mission team heading to Clarkston, Georgia uh, this week, at the end of this week, Friday and Saturday. Several of us uh, are going. I think we've 20, 30, something like that, heading to Clarkston. Uh, God has seen fit uh, to have a, a community of refugees uh, from primarily Afghanistan, but also Congo and some other countries uh, who have fled for asylum to the United States. Uh, he's seen fit to have those right here at our back door in Clarkston, Georgia. And just as Jesus commanded us to go to the nations, in this case, we're able to go to the nations right down the street and praise God. And our prayer is that there will be those there from the far-flung places of our globe who will be among the thousand generations who are singing worthy is the lamb who was slain oh it's amazing what a what an awesome thing to be a christian isn't it not only to be saved but to be called into the purposes of god that somehow in our weakness he would extend his strong arm and say you partner with me you come into this kingdom work you do this uh, for others what was done for you. You preach, you tell. I praise God for our church and for the heart we have for missions. We'll be going uh, at the end of this week. If you're on that team, you have a meeting today right after this service um, in the room directly behind me uh, back here. And so um, be a part of that. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, <clears throat> the letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament, uh, a little bit less than midway through the New Testament, maybe. You just it's in a series of letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and take your time getting there if you need to. A letter we've been studying for some time now, written by the Apostle Paul to a church or churches uh, in Ephesus, <clears throat> or in and around Ephesus, um, to help them, to set them on a firm footing with believing rightly and behaving rightly as brand new Christians never been a Christian before, <clears throat> they're trying to figure this out. And so we've been walking through this book together. We're in chapter 6 today, uh, verses 10 through 17. We'll be focusing, zeroing in on verse 15. Uh, this is um, a series of six pieces of armor <clears throat> that the Bible calls here the armor of God. And the reason they're even mentioned here, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason they're even mentioned here uh, is in reference to standing firm against the devil. The name devil is one that we don't like to say much. Satan is one that we hesitate, that we, we pause for just a moment before we utter it out loud. And part of that <clears throat> is because we see that almost as silly. 
as some mysticism, as, as some cartoonish thing that should we really take this as serious, but the Bible does here, takes it as very serious. Talks about the schemes of the devil and the danger of the devil and how smart he is and how able he is. We've got to stand firm, the Bible says in Ephesians, against the devil. And part of doing that is to put on the whole armor of God. Now, that doesn't mean literally every day we put something on, but it does mean literally every day that we make ourselves ready. And the Bible gives us very specific very structured ways to do that here, that we draw near to God, <clears throat> that we are firm in our faith. Uh, you don't want to uh, abandon your time in the Word. Uh, the old, old pastors used to ask the question, are you prayed up? Anybody ever heard that? Uh, you don't want to be far from your time in prayer. You want to be prayed up, so to speak. You want to be near to God. You want to be among the people of God. There are so many things we can do practically to be ready <clears throat> and to have ourselves armored against the devil. And so today we come to a piece of armor known as the shoes, the armor, the, the gospel shoes, if you will, the shoes of gospel peace. And so let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read all verse 10 through 17 and focus in on, <clears throat> on verse 15. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We've asked the question every week, are we strong enough on ourselves? No. Can we just go out and get strong and just through willpower and determination, we're going to stand up to that old devil? No. We have to be strong in the Lord. It is only the strength of his might that will do. We have to be near to him, knowing him. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able <clears throat> to stand against the schemes or the wiles, the trickery of the devil. He is a very smart adversary. He is very cunning and, and tricky. He's been practicing this on human beings for thousands, multiplied thousands of years. He's ready. We've got to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle, the Bible says, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces <clears throat> of evil in the heavenly places, or the spiritual realm is another way to put that, in the high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. We talked about what that means. When all the dust settles, when the battle is over and the fog of war has dissipated, that there will be men and women in this place, boys and girls, teenagers, who will be standing still, still standing, who will be still standing even after everything's said and done because you have been determined to fight and to wear God's armor even against this fearsome enemy. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth we talked about that and having put on the breastplate of righteousness we talked about that and as for shoes for your feet having put on the readiness or the preparation your bible may say having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the Word of God. We're going to take a look today at this shoes of gospel peace. What does that mean? And first of all, <clears throat> we've got to look at what these shoes are made of. If you look at your shoes today, I can see lots of your Oh, Oh, excuse me. No, no. <laughs> I can see lots of your... I'm just teasing, Pat. <clears throat> um, I can see lots of your shoes today. Over here, we got some pretty serious boots going on. I mean, the real deal. We got open-toed sandals here. Got some casual, you're hiding your shoes from me. Uh, <clears throat> you got some casual shoes on the front row, some checkered shoes over there. All kinds of shoes. Anybody have on, any ladies have on white shoes today? You do. You're not supposed to. Anybody know why? It's not Labor Day yet, right? So, with all these shoes for different reasons, for different purposes, made out of different materials, um, and, um, and today the material we're looking at is, is the material of gospel peace. What, what does it mean? What are these shoes that are the shoes of the, go- uh, the, 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 the shoes of the readiness given by the gospel of peace? We first have to know what in the world this is. I hope you maybe can see this on the screen. It's a little bit small, but the gospel of peace, here's what this means. The gospel of peace is the peace with God brought to us by the blood of the cross of Calvary. And so let's go through this real quick together. I've got it on the screen. We're going to look at what we were before Christ compared to what we are after Christ. And this comes from elsewhere in God's word in Romans chapter 5. Here's what it says. For while we were still weak, what were we before Christ? Weak. We were weak. At the right time, Christ died for the, what, ungodly. Were you ready? Were you desirable? Were you the, I mean, just the, the, the one he had to have, the jewel in his crown that he would die for? No. <clears throat> he came for the ungodly and the weak. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, right? So we were what? Unrighteous people. One will scarcely die for a righteous person. The, the idea here is, No one would ever die for an unrighteous person. If they'll barely even think about dying for a righteous person, nobody dies for an unrighteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still what? Sinners. That's who we are. That's who we were. Sinners. Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, what were we before? unjustified guilty we were guilty before much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of god what were we before condemned the wrath of god was appropriately bearing down upon us for our sins for while we were enemies we were enemies right the bible uses uh, the word hostile somewhere else we were hostile toward god maybe you were uh, hostile through active resistance or passive just you passively you didn't care anything about god either way we were hostile toward god we were enemies of god for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to god by the death of his son much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life more than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation what in the world kind of a peace is this this is the peace 
that brought us from being all of these things. I mean, we could stack them up on one another. That was our destiny. That was our character. That is who we are. And by the blood of the cross of Christ, he brought us peace with God. Enemies of God are now at peace with God. Outsiders to God are now sons and daughters to God. Those who were hostile toward God are now in a loving forever relationship of fatherhood of mercy only because of the gospel the gospel of peace here's what the bible says elsewhere elsewhere in romans 5 8 therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ colossians 1 19 for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so what are our shoes made of? They're made of the gospel. What, what's, what's the significance of the gospel here? Our foundation, our footing, our hold in the ground against the evil one, it, it, it is made up. Uh, the fact of the basis of the foundation that we are secure in Christ. There is peace with God. Irrevocable. No one can take that away from you. Well, I'm a, it's a, a fearful to stand against the devil, isn't it? Yeah, but he's never taken that away. It could cost me a lot to stand against the devil, couldn't it? Yes, but listen, I'm found, my foundation, I'm standing upon the gospel of peace. I'm not what I once was and so let's look at this together how does the gospel affect our spiritual footing there are three ways i want us to see today the first is these shoes provide for us or the gospel provides for us a footing for stability a footing for stability these shoes and we talked about this last week the apostle paul in writing this may have looked over he was in prison under guard and looked at the uniform of a roman centurion or a roman soldier and seen their outfit and looked upon their shoes. These were military shoes. These were not just uh, sandals or flip-flops. Uh, these are uh, shoes with a thick uh, animal skin or leather tread. Uh, they were studded on the bottom with uh, nails or, or, or gripping things like cleats would be. Uh, and they uh, were strapped across the, the main part of the foot here with thick leather that wound all, all the way around and then intertwined itself up the calf, crisscrossed, braided, if you will, to stay on the feet. The toes were free so they could show their, their manicures and pedicures, uh, but <clears throat> their toes were loose in this. These were serious shoes. <clears throat> They're meant to hold the soldier to the ground against what? The Romans were famous for uh, what they called a Roman wall where they could just stand firm against a, an attack from the enemy. They would hold the ground against an attack of the enemy. And spiritually speaking, that's what these shoes are for. These gospel shoes, the shoes of gospel peace, are for us to stand our ground <clears throat> when the enemy attacks. And he will attack you if you are a serious-minded believer. This, the, the, the enemy is going to attack us. How, does it, how do we stand firm in this? Because our hope is not in this life. How do these shoes make a difference? Because our hope is not here, right? You can take everything we've got. You can take everything up to and including our very 
lifeblood. You can bleed us to literal death and our bodies lay in the ground and this life be over for us and we still have the gospel of peace. We're still bound for a homeland whose maker and builder is God. We had a death man of the church whose mother passed away <coughs> this week um, and she's in Alabama and he's been visiting her in Alabama <coughs> diagnosed with cancer just a matter of weeks ago really and with suddenness and aggressiveness uh, it began to take her life and our friend in the church had been going to Alabama and sitting with his wife with his um, mother for weeks at a time and we've been in contact with him. We've been praying for him. And this week when I heard that she had passed away, which people knew was coming, barring a miracle, I sent him a verse uh, from Revelation chapter 21. Trey read this today. Here's what I sent to Brian on a text message. Here's what it said. 21.3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them that crazy God himself is going to be our comfort what else is God going to do when he's with us verse 4 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more whoa 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 whoa! she did die no her life is preserved in Christ death shall be no more neither shall there be any mourning nor crying nor what pain not even no more pain anymore for the former things have passed away in a very real sense even as we sit here together in this life the former things for you and me have passed away. How can we bear up under the pressure and the pain? Not only of the discomfort of a fallen world, but against the very real enemy, the devil. How can we do that? Because the former things have passed away. We don't battle against flesh and blood. Our homeland is elsewhere. And whatever the cost, whatever we give, whatever it takes, that will not change the fact that we have a homeland forever in heaven. The Bible says in the Corinthian letter, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's you and me. Just old, ugly clay pots. I mean, we're just weak, breakable, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The gospel of peace allows us to stand against the devil, even though we're breakable pots, to show what's inside us surpasses us. We stand our ground so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this, listen, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. That means they're passing by. They're temporary. Are they painful? Are they awful? They may be, but they're transient. They're passing by. These things are coming and they're going, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
God, this is hard to hold my ground. God, the temptations are very great. God, I didn't know it would be this difficult to be a faithful follower of you. Look to the things that are eternal, right? This temporary, this momentary, this affliction is passing away. But we're looking for things that are eternal. We can hold firm at whatever cost because something we shall never lose is the peace with God that has been duly credited to your account by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of peace. You've got it. You've got it. Fasten that on. Sandal that up as you go into life. But secondly, we see a footing for mobility, a footing for stability and a footing for mobility. Verse 15, again, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We don't have to look far in the New Testament to see that the gospel people of God are a going people. And so stability here doesn't mean standing still, does it? The standing firm doesn't mean staying put. God's people are a going people. In fact, we're told in Matthew 28, 18, the great commission to go therefore. God's people are a going people. And just like a soldier who at not all times has to stand firm, but sometimes has to uh, obey the command to advance, these shoes, the gospel piece, grips the ground to allow you and me to go where it is God says for us to go. Many times standing firm against the devil means for you and me to advance into places that we've not been before. And that could be scary. Yes, we stand firm. Sometimes we stand, but sometimes we go. And the places into which we advance can sometimes be an actual place. You might think about it this way. We're going to Clarkston this week. That's an actual place God's sending us. You might be called into a new place of ministry in your life, somewhere that God wants you to go, an actual place perhaps. Maybe it's a life group. Maybe it's a Sunday school class that you're going to teach. Maybe it's a mission trip. Maybe it's the mission field. Maybe God opens a door that you never thought of. God's calling you to a place to advance against the enemy, the devil. Maybe to a different college. You had your plans all figured out, and God's calling you somewhere else, and you're making that change is difficult. You've got on your feet a foundation that will grip that ground solidly for wherever God calls you to be. Maybe something crazy might happen. You've been in this career your whole life you've got the strategy to, to, to the, the the off-ramp planned out ready to go your security is there your home is there your character your, your reputation it's all tied up here and all of a sudden something changes God is preparing a new and open door a new straight path for you to go somewhere where he has a difference for you to make sometimes advancing in this battle means we go to an actual place sometimes it's spiritual new ground some sometimes it's a place you need to show mercy where you have withheld mercy to someone they hurt you hard they beat you up bad you're never going to forget it maybe god said hey i'm calling you to advance on the enemy by forgiving that person maybe it's your mornings maybe god says hey i want those mornings for me You get up, you brush your teeth, it's crazy, it's wild. And God says, I want those mornings. 
I want you in my word in the morning. I want you in prayer in the morning. I want those. God's saying, hey, I want you to advance on that. Maybe it's some stumbling block that you need to give up. The Bible doesn't call it a sin outright. You can't find a text of scripture that says, yes, this is for certain, without a doubt, uh, on the name of God, a sin in your life. But you know it's a stumbling block. You know it, that it, to grow in maturity or to not be an obstacle to a brother or a sister or even to your, uh, your worth in the ministry of, of God, you need to lay something aside. There's something there you need to give up. Look, too much of this is happening in your world. And God says, I want you to advance into something new spiritually. I want you to do that. This is the power that allows us to do it. I had a, a shirt in college. Everybody hated it, but I loved it. If you know what I mean, Erica hated this shirt. It was a gray, just a gray shirt, gray casual shirt, and it said Wilson. You know, Wilson, like the volleyball and like the basketball, football. Wilson. It said that in green, a gray shirt said Wilson. I love my shirt. I mean, it was so comfortable. And besides that, you felt like when you put this shirt on, you could do anything, right? We played ultimate Frisbee. We, it was a big thing in our college, ultimate Frisbee all the time. And if I had this shirt on, I could hit throws and make catches and do tricks. You wouldn't believe because of my shirt, right? <laughs> I could talk to girls with that shirt on. I can never talk to girls with, without the shirt. At least I thought I could. <clears throat> You probably have a shoes like that, or sometimes they call it a good hair day, or, you know, you just, you, you, some article, some something uh, that kind of makes you feel like you could do anything. Uh, the question for today is, what is it that gives us the strange courage to charge new territory as Christians? What is it that allows us to go to an actual place? or to advance upon a spiritual place that God is calling us to, what gives us that courage to listen for God's voice and to obey God's bugle blast of advance? It's something we're wearing, so to speak. In fact, it is the gospel of peace. It is an unshakable confidence that we wear into this world no matter what comes. When God summons your feet into motion, it is the same loving power that brought about the certainty of your salvation that establishes each new step for you the same power that saved you is the power that goes with you we can have courage we can take heart we don't have to be afraid to move to move is god calling you to move somehow you don't have to be afraid but lastly a footing for stability, a footing for mobility, and a footing for agility. These shoes are not just footwear. They're called something else in this passage, aren't they? Strange word that we, we don't, how does this go together? They're called the readiness, the readiness of the gospel of peace. What does this mean? This means that the, the shoes are not hidden away in your closet somewhere in a shoe box it means the shoes aren't under the coffee table it means the shoes are where they're on your feet 
Christians are to be ready to go. There is a readiness that comes with the wearing, with the armoring up of the gospel of, of peace. <clears throat> it's not in a closet. It's not anywhere else. It's on your feet. These shoes would have taken a while to put on. We described them earlier. You didn't just slide them on and go. They would have taken a while to fasten up. And if you can imagine being a soldier in that place and all of a sudden an attack is coming and you're not ready with those shoes, you're in trouble. You ever had somebody come to your house when you're asleep in the bed? They knock on the door and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, right? Because it takes me a while to brush my teeth and to comb my hair and get out of bed and to think straight. You try to talk, you try to scream real loud so your voice doesn't sound like it's asleep. You ever done that? I look like a creature from the Black Lagoon when I wake up in the morning. I mean, you're just awful. You think, I cannot go to the door looking this way. I I mean, there's no way. It takes a moment to get ready. The Bible's telling us here, it's, you're not in a situation. You're not in a battle. These are not light matters. The threat is not trivial. The stakes are not low. That you can be a Christian willy-nilly, and yes, you know, you know where God's Word is. It's somewhere around here, right? And you know how to pray, but boy, it's, it's, it's been a while. And yes, the church is gathered and on mission and in worship together and community and discipleship. It's all happening down the street, but I haven't been a part of it for a while. It takes you a moment, a long time to gather that wardrobe together. God may call upon you and Satan may come against you in a moment. Are you ready? Is there a readiness in your life? Are your shoes already on? Are you close to the gospel? Is it making a difference daily for who you are? That's what this means here. A footing for agility. You want to be ready to stand firm. Uh, Stability. You want to be ready to go for mobility. But you want to have those shoes on your feet so when something knocks at the door, when the battle cry comes, you're ready. You're agile. You're not having to prepare and, and back, backtrack to get ready. What's your relationship today with the gospel of peace? If you had to answer today, oh, man, yep, the shoes are in the closet. They're buried under some, something in there. I could probably... I could probably find the heart of God. I could probably remember. I could probably talk to the Spirit of God. But I'm going to have to dig a little bit to find it. Or are you ready when the call comes out? Is it a part of who you are? Does it make a difference in your everyday life? Are you poised? That's a good word. Are you poised and primed to move with synchrony to the heart of God? Because you've learned never not to hear him, never not to be near to him and to draw close to him. Are you ready? Is there readiness for you today? Or is your walk with the Lord somewhere in the closet? You see, this is something we should keep close to us. I was talking to Fletcher this week. We had a chance to be together for a moment, and they've, they're just back from youth camp. I'll brag on our students for a minute because uh, you guys are sitting right behind me now, and I fear that I better say something nice about you uh, because you could get me. But not really. I love having you all back there and hearing your voices. 
um, as, as you sing and as you worship, guys. It's awesome. Um, and also, I went down to count the, the student class today. Last week, they were 21. Today, you had 23 down there. I mean, that's just, I'm just so proud of what the Lord's doing and the strength. Uh, not just, oh, we got 23, we got a big number, but it shows something about the strength in your heart, what, what he's doing to unite you with one another, to unite, you, to unite yourselves to, to him. But Fletcher said he was at camp and was talking about our church to the camp director, a lady, <clears throat> and had told her, listen, our, our kids, you know, paid, a, you know, somewhere around $50 each to go to camp. And she said, wow. So how did that happen? He said, well, our church uh, gave $10,000 for them to go to camp, just c- collected it. Now, true, some of this came from car washes and people in the community, but, but the preponderance of it came from you. And she said, he said the lady was dumbfounded and said, wow, what kind of church is this? This is a big church. He said, it's a regular church. <laughs> I hesitate to describe you as regular, but, uh, <clears throat> but he said, it's a, it's, you know, no, it's, he said, it's just the heart of the people. And he, he, was, he was bragging about that. And Fletcher told this lady, and then he told me at lunch that day, he said, I'll never forget what the church did. That means to me, Fletcher. It means as long as you're here, you'll never forget it. If God calls you somewhere else, you'll never forget what this church did on on this moment. Uh, You'll never forget that. You're probably going to tell other people about it like you've already been doing at camp. Uh, You're never going to forget the profound thing that was done uh, here in your presence uh, that God did among his people here. And I want us today to never forget forget the gospel have it close draw it near give him your mornings be in his word fasten your feet be ready to go and never forget that god in an outlandish act of fatherhood saw you and in love gave you the inconceivably great gift of placing his own son on a cross so that an outlaw could have pardon. Isn't that crazy? That an outlaw could have pardon, that the, the hostage could have freedom, that the orphan could have sonship, and forevermore, we must never forget that. Tell about it. Have it with you. Go with it. Do you want to stand firm against the devil? Then never get over the gospel. Make it your constant companion and never let it stop changing you are you armored up the call is a serious one god did not redeem you to lie dormant and unprepared he wants us going every day every setting every circumstance and he wants us prepared and really even more than that god loves us and he wants us near to him Yes, to be prepared. Yes, to stand firm. Yes, to hear and obey. But because he loves you. You're his son or daughter. How are you treating that? Let me pray for us.